0: Hello, and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best action and biggest talking points in bailiwick sport. With me today, uh, Rob Baptiste. Hello. Gareth Prevost. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingrill. Hello. Hey guys, uh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of sports uh, on today's show. Football, golf, um, some other topics as well, I think. Uh, and cycling, we'll be speaking to a mountain biker Kylie Vodin, uh, who's been away uh, on the podium in a national mountain bike uh, cross-country. Um, we're going to be hearing from her in a bit. Uh, let's start with the things that have caught our eye this week, though. And there's been
1: plenty to talk about. Um, Gareth, let me come to you first. Well, there's several sort of bits of cricket that sort of caught my eye. The the main thing I was going to mention is um, young Harry Duke, a 15-year-old who scored um, his first 100 last Friday, then scored his second 100 on Monday. Um, They were in the Colts League, and then in between, he he played really well for Wanderers, uh, Irregulars in the GCA Cup final, very nearly helped get them over the line. They ended up losing a thriller by six runs, but... I thought it showed great maturity to bat. I think he faced 62 balls when they were in real trouble and it helped Stokes get them up to very near to their target and almost get them over the line. So he was going to be sort of like my highlight of the week until last night, just watching Tom Nightingale hit one onto the roof at the clubhouse at the KG5. It was an absolutely monstrous hit um it sounded absolutely it's one of those ones when it came off the bat everyone knew it was just going to be a huge huge six sounded like a shotgun just reverberating around the ground and it just kept going and sort of you could just everyone in the ground just went oh as it left his bat um and of course it sort of sparked the usual conversations of sort of what's the biggest sixes we've seen hit um in the island um So, yeah, that was probably uh, an individual highlight to see that one go. Yeah, certainly got a few people talking, and I think a few people in the clubhouse a bit worried. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, it sort of landed on the roof on the extension, which is... um Sort of like on the on the car park side of the clubhouse, I suppose. But uh, people in the um, on the balcony in, enjoying a drink were sudden were very much aware that it was coming their way. But it actually ended up going sort of above them and a bit to their left. So they were they were um, quite fortunate. But uh, yeah, it certainly um, it certainly was a big hit. Yeah, six of
2: the summer by all accounts. Then uh, Jamie, what's your moment of the week? Oh, I got to observe the fastest ten thousand meters everyone on Guernsey soil. Uh, at Foots Lane last week. Um, For previous records, if you've heard of him, Kim Godfordson, he's a Greenland athlete, but at Guernsey 2003, he ran 31.30 for the distance. Uh, This guy would go on and he would become an 11-time individual Island Games champion, which is unsurpassed by anyone. But yeah, at a casual Foots Lane meet, we had Will Bodkin, our current number one distance runner. He ran 31.08, and it was... It's a solid performance. He lapped the entire field. Uh, We actually had a cracking shot by Martin Gray, which he ran on our back page. Foots Lane looked like an absolute ghost town. You can see no one supporting the stands. But I can assure you, the support down that track level was great, and I'd like to think it helped wield them onto Get That performance,
0: yeah, he's doing some serious damage to the record books this summer, isn't he?
3: He looks a ra- cracking athlete at the moment. He's you know, when you think of Will of recent years when he came back from uni and in his studies and whatever, he was probably a little bit heavier than he would have liked to be. I, I, I'm guessing here. Um, I'm sorry, apologies to Will if I got this wrong, but you must be probably about two stones lighter than you were, um, a few years back, and it he really looks. Very, very sharp and very professional, and giving it all his all. I'm just really, I think I might have said this before, but it's just a, such a shame that the Iron Games is not next year because the guy's in absolutely brilliant form and he could, you know, possibly clean up across those sort of longer distances. Um, but he'll have to wait another year on, on top of that. So, goodness knows what might happen in in that time. But he's, oh, it's great to see somebody who's put so much in the sport from a cult. I remember seeing him when he was about seven years old, um, coming along to support his um, race alongside his brother, James. Um, and he's done fantastic things for the Athletic Club. So well done to Will Bodkin, I say.
0: Oh, well, let's hope he's on the start line in 2023 in that kind of form or even better. Yeah, he's a good lad.
2: Actually, uh, one quite impressive thing about Wynn, he's got real like range in his ability. Like Tonight he'll be lining up for the Vazan Mile, but he's actually training for the Guernsey Marathon. I think he he's really focused for his training. He's copying training principles from the Ingebrigtsen brothers, basically, to, basically a family of really successful Norwegian athletes. But he's often smashing out sessions twice a day, the evening session being the harder one. But yeah, he... At the Guernsey Marathon, if all everything goes to plan, we could see something really special.
0: Wow, well, uh, yeah, working hard and getting the rewards, that's awesome to see. Uh, Rob,
3: what's caught your eye this week, good or bad? It's bad. Very, very bad, Tony. I'm fuming. <laughs> and anybody who knows me when I'm fuming, I'm, I'm twitching here. <laughs> 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 no, it's, um, it's serious. It's a very serious subject. Um, we're hearing sort of negative news on the um, Le Grand Mar golf course development project um, which is rumbling on in the background and good old Guernsey managed to um, stymie what is a a really exciting project for the island not in terms not only in terms of sport but also in terms of the economy Um, you know I'm hearing things it's it's talking about 30 to 50 million pound project at the Grand Mar and it seems we are Holding our breath, waiting for permission to be given um, by, the, um, by the pollinators of this world and the, um, the insect lovers of this world who are concerned that things may well be um, damaged or hurt go, um, going forward down in the Grand Mar. Um, you know, I, I, this, this takes me back to when the Grand Mar started all those years ago, almost 30 years ago, the course opened. And there were these similar sort of rows then. And I remember when Tim Earl, who was a colleague here at the Guernsey Press, and nobody knows it more about birds than Tim Earl, he and I used to have some rows about the situation down there, how it was going to ter- be terrible for Guernsey wildlife and bird life. What a load of nonsense that was. Um, and it's been proven over the last quarter century more that, you know, the the the, the, the wildlife... And the whole area of Le Grand Mar has been enhanced superbly. And what they're trying to do is is create something special for Guernsey, uh, Steve Lansdowne and his team. And yet we're being held up by some minuscule matter. I'm hearing now that we've got a masks being put up across the golf course to monitor the bat situation there. Whatever next, it really is. It makes me so angry. Um, and, you know, island-wide, I'm seeing weeds everywhere, unkempt stretches of road along Fort Road and that, that that's another thing that you say. <laughs> when I think you go back you go back generations when that Fort Road was absolutely a picture of it was a it was a cricket pitch for many, many years of course. It was looked glorious and what have you and then when the, the army departed and the Fort George complex was developed, at least they left a lovely grass flat grass um, sward, which was really impressive. What do I see now every time I dro- drive up to St. Martin's and Blanche Bear Lane is this mess of weeds. I just... You know, it gets me so angry, it really does. And and then, don't get me talking about the banks, you know. You know, you know I'd love to see Herman Sark, but every time I drive along there, it's obliterated by these metre-high remains of dead wildlife. I'm sorry, I just... It's gone beyond a joke. I think there'll be some people listening who would disagree with you, Rob. I'm sure. I'm sure. sure. I'm, sure yeah, I'm sure there are. And um, but seriously, on the Grand Mar subject, um, take the other bits and pieces and um, tongue in cheek to a certain degree. the Grand Mar really is very, very frustrating. And if we miss out on this, it will be a terrible disaster for Guernsey.
0: Well, I agree. I mean, yeah, both on a sporting and an economic front, uh, it seems like it's an absolute gift. Um, uh, what is happening
3: yeah. is a nonsense
0: so we'll wait and see certainly the noises um the, the sort of going out to members you know from as you say from steve lansdowne and uh, the team behind that you know, aren't too positive at the moment so
3: no doesn't seem to
0: we should wait and see uh well thanks very much guys uh that's it for part one coming up next we'll be hearing from rising cycling star rising mountain bike star kylie vodin Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Thanks for listening. Now, our guest this week is a young mountain biker who's fresh from achieving a goal she set herself when she returned to the sport two years ago. 17-year-old Kylie Vodin took second place and with it a spot on the podium in the latest round of the National Cross Country Series in the New Forest. Jamie and I caught up with her to find out more. First of all, Kali, just uh, yeah, welcome to the pod. Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you. And congratulations on the result of the weekend. Just Thank talk you. us through um, yeah, what, were you, what you were doing, where you were and, and how you got on.
4: Yeah, so it was just amazing to race against some of the best riders in the UK, especially some of the older juniors. And just every time I'm gaining more and more experience and I wasn't really expecting to get that result when I went
0: yes yeah, so you finished uh, on the podium second place uh, in a national uh, mountain bike event um, I mean yeah just talk us through your journey because I, I read on Instagram that you'd uh, you'd taken a pretty big break from cycling and then been sort of targeting this um, yeah targeting a national podium since you came back
4: yeah so I'd been doing a lot of racing at Delancey Flyers when I was younger and I really wanted to do that because my brother was doing it and then I stopped for four years because I wanted to focus on horse riding and then suddenly I just like had the thought that came to my mind I really wanted to start cycling again so I asked my dad if we could go to a southern XC and then I did that and I instantly just fell in love with it again.
0: Oh, fantastic so you're obviously very comfortable in the saddle then whether it's a horse or a bike uh, hopefully not neglecting the horse
4: no, <laughs> no I still got the horse <laughs> yeah and what's that
0: journey been like then um yeah how hard have you worked to kind of to get to this point
4: i'd say it's been it's been a fun journey um last year i had quite a, quite a lot of falls off my bike and then this year i tore my quad so there's quite a few setbacks but It's definitely been fun along the way. Oh,
0: that sounds nasty. But how how good did it feel to be stood on that podium then at the end of the weekend?
4: I just couldn't believe it, really. Um, As soon as I crossed the line, I was just absolutely shocked that I came second. And I really wanted to get a podium place
0: and talk us through the race itself then or how the weekend works is it, is it a one kind of one off race or do you, do you get a few goes
4: like an hour before you go on you practice you do your practice lap and then uh, and then it's straight into it into the racing it's usually an hour and 20 minutes and uh, this course was quite a flat one um, there wasn't much climbing but on the last lap I was going up the hill and then um I saw that the third place was trying to get past me, so I just had like sort of more energy to give, and then they got past me and then into a technical section. And then when we came out of the technical section, I just, I just like absolutely gave it my all, um, and then yeah.
0: Yeah, the fantastic. To the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. And is this the kind of result that will really spur you on to take it further?
4: Yeah, definitely, it will. It's motivated me a lot.
0: What's the, what's the next goal?
4: Uh, the next goal, well, it's always been the Island Games um, in 2023. And I'd really like to become a pro cyclist one day. And I'd love to go to a few mountain bike World Cups.
0: And obviously, on the Island Games front, um, Guernsey has a good record on the mountain bikes. Uh, I think James Rowe won gold in Gotland uh, a few years ago. What have you got to do to be in contention for, for a place uh, you know, in, the, in the team in 2023?
4: Yeah, I think um, a lot of the riders have inspired me to do the best I can. And um, especially, I've got James Rowe's winning bike, so it's definitely... Um, Motivated me is that out, what you're but, riding? Yeah. Oh, fantastic.
0: Well, his winning bike from 2017. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, it's obviously a, a golden bike then.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're riding <laughs> at the special, weekend. Very special,
0: yeah. Oh, awesome. And, you know, further afield, uh, it must have been pretty inspiring watching uh, the likes of Tom Pickcock at the Olympics do yeah. so well. Um, yeah, is, is, you know, is that the kind of, that the sort of level of competition you feel like yeah, you're you sort what of dream of going to, to? do
4: in the future, yeah.
0: What was it like watching him?
4: It's like oh, it's amazing it it just really well it's really inspiring and I think it's incredible and yeah I'd really like to do that.
0: Yeah what's the appeal of mountain biking for you because when you when you watch something like that you know it's both a real endurance event because you got to you're, you're going around for quite a long time but also so technical and skillful.
4: Yeah it's it's got it's very different to road biking because there's a lot of technical skills that you've got to have in it and I think from racing at Dancy Flies in the past has definitely helped when I was younger um, for the skills that I'm using now.
0: And I gather your dad was also on the bike at the weekend?
4: Yeah, he really <laughs> enjoys it, yeah.
0: <laughs> How much of a help is it to, to have him there as well along, alongside you?
4: Yeah, it's really nice and um, especially to have my brother as well because he's obviously gone through a lot of it in the past because he's, he did Gotland Island Games and he knows a lot about nutrition. And then my dad knows a lot about like the mechanical side of bikes. So it's good to learn from them.
2: So obviously, with regards to your family, I know you've got quite a few of your keen mountain bikers yeah. and cyclists in general. I know Brad's been, he's been getting on pretty well for a while. I know you've, you've come along now. I mean, what, to what extent have like your family got you involved in mountain biking? was it a decision you made yourself?
4: My, my brother sort of got me into it, really. He persuaded me to do it. And I was too young to do it at first when I was watching it. And then when uh, when I was old enough to do it, I absolutely loved it. And, yeah, every single Wednesday night, just got myself there and got myself involved. And then also competing against Jersey in the Um Yeah, that was great to do that. And then my dad also... He he did a lot of uh, motocross in the past, so we've all sort of got similar interests. And he didn't really cycle at all, but, yeah, he's, he, as soon as we got into it, he started cycling.
0: Sounds like you've got a great team yeah. around you then. Yeah, awesome. And what about the horse riding then? Is that, is that still something you'll pursue?
4: Yeah, so, yeah, uh, last year I did quite a lot of competitions. This year, because I'm racing away, I'm not really doing as many horse riding competitions, focusing on the mountain bike and racing in all the disciplines.
0: Um, We mentioned Tom Pidcock before. He's someone who's excelled mountain biking on the road, uh, cyclocross as well. Uh, Is that the kind of the sort of new model for cyclists that you can actually, you know, you can do all the different disciplines?
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's good to get involved in all disciplines. um, I find it really helps me. Um, It's good to always focus on one, because you you can't really focus on all of them, but you sort of use the other ones to um, sort of train towards your main one.
0: So you've got two rounds of the championship left. You're going to be going to both um, Scotland and then Canic Chase.
4: Yeah, that's right. Um,
0: yeah, how do they or how will they differ to to what you've been doing so far?
4: I think that. Well, Scotland's, we weren't going to go to Scotland at first because it was quite a long way to drive. But then I managed to persuade <laughs> my dad that it's not too far. <laughs> and, then, um, and then Cannock Chase, we're going to go, because we got a few days before Scotland, uh, we're going to go and have a look at Cannock Chase because you can ride there um, and yeah, get used to the track.
0: Brilliant, so you're going to need a long playlist for the drive up to yeah. Scotland. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. and um yeah, obviously, given that confidence that you'd have taken from from getting on the podium um, at the weekend, uh, you must be feeling like you're in a good place to to go and challenge again.
4: um yeah, I think from what I've heard, Scotland's going to have a lot more um because the last one didn't have many A and B lines in it, it didn't have any at all, actually, um, but Scotland is going to have a few more, and yeah.
0: So it's just for those who don't know, is that kind of where you sort of you can make a choice between something slightly more technical or, yeah. or or not? And then and does that if you take the more technical route, does that give you a time advantage? Is it quicker?
4: Yeah, it's a lot quicker. The the first national I did, I just took myself on all the A lines because I just needed to trust myself that I could do it, and it worked. So
0: yeah, fantastic. Oh well, thanks very much for coming in.
4: Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: congratulations again. Best of luck for for Scotland. Thank you. <laughs> awesome, and we'll uh, we'll be following your progress closely. about cyclist Kylie Vodin speaking to me and Jamie congratulations to her and best of luck uh, for the next couple of rounds of the National uh, Mountain Bike Cross Country Championships um, Chaps let's look ahead to what else is coming up at the weekend of course uh, the big kickoff in the pre-league on Friday night uh, North taking on Rangers and three more matches on Saturday if you missed it uh, in this feed you'll find a full team-by-team preview uh, ahead of the new FNB pre-league season so do check that out I know you guys are going to be at a couple of those games um, what else have we got to look forward to this
3: weekend. We've got the Ireland Championship and um, Bowls Championship semi-final weekend. It's uh, Jour through from Friday right through to Monday evening. All the islands' leading bowlers are in action, um, um, which should be some good competition. It's good, good new names being, um, good new names coming forward. So it's not exactly the you know the. The, the established hierarchy challenging for these trophies, there may well be some new names in the trophy, it's good. There's a guy, a new chap down at the Valrette Club called John Pinson, who is um, going very strong in the pairs. And when I saw him, he looks a very accomplished player in tandem with Dennis Midgley. But um, yeah, it's, hopefully we it's some good weather for that, for that weekend.
0: Uh, Gareth, if the weather comes good, there might be a bit of cricket and an inter-squad well, Ireland yeah,
1: game. yeah, the island squad um, is due to play an, an inter-squad game, um, still in the hope that there might be a, an inter-insular. We're still waiting on further news of that. So um, it's part of their preparations and they've got to sort of anticipate that there will be a game against Jersey at the moment. So... Um, yeah, it would be a, a useful outing for, for those players. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if the forecast is going to be particularly favourable for them, to be honest. Yeah, I think I'm going to be down filming a bit of the football with the
0: rain cover on the camera, I think, because it does look uh, a little bit
2: <laughs> a little bit bleak, the forecast. Um, Jamie, what else is going on this weekend? We've got a busy and quite varied sporting programme. Uh, Friday night, we've got the return of domestic rowing. I mean, it came back last weekend, but prior to that, we had a real hiatus. It was quite unfortunate, just... Getting caught up by the weather every single time. We had pretty much a barren month with every single race getting cancelled. So it's nice to see that. Over the course of the weekend, we've got the final domestic sand racing fixture of the season. We have a 100k cycling road race and we have an international walking football match at Foots Lane. And, uh, and Rob, a bit of golf as well. As we yeah,
3: do. Sunday um, morning, well sorry, all day Sunday is the second and closing round of the annual Tony Jacqueline Open, which is one of the big events at St Pierre Park's Par 3 Um each year and um i gather steve batiste is leading at the halfway point i'm not sure if that's my cousin steve i'm not even, but it is certainly a steve batiste <laughs> who is leading uh, going into the final round he's out at 750 um i hope we our photographers don't put him off too much um yeah it should be um exciting end to that 36 whole competition yeah, good luck pretty. to them let's hope the sun shines
0: well, this summer's been a bit of a write-off, hasn't it, as far as sunshine uh, goes? Uh, but just finally, I think it's worth mentioning the the cricket top one hundred. That's nearing its conclusion. We're into the top ten now.
1: Uh, yeah, a familiar yeah. face in on earlier this week. Yeah, number nine, <laughs> Gareth. Yeah, my my brother managing to get into the top ten. Um, I'll give him his due. The one thing that Stu said since we started this, the outset of this, is he has no idea sort of what his figures are when it comes to intervention. And I, I actually had to tell him, I said, Look, you're the third highest scorer ever for Guernsey intervention. And he's sort of like, Oh, is it? All oh, right, okay. If you start talking to him about stats, he, he, he's not interested. And he'll, the one thing he says to anybody is, Did you win the game? That's it. He's only interested in whether you won or lost. You know, whether you hit a, a strike rate of 150, he's not bothered. Gareth, <laughs> um,
3: did, he, did he talk at all about his big break in, in, in top cricket and for the Kobo B team at the Memorial Field under my captaincy? Uh, no, uh, no, no, funny
1: enough, he didn't. No, <laughs> no, no, no um, the funny thing is I find with, with Stu, um, the best cricket story I've ever got from him um, was nothing to do with senior cricket for the island. It was when he was playing at, um, at school for Marduk Archer at secondary. And um, he was part of the team that beat an Elizabeth College side for the first time ever. Um, and I sort of reminded him of this a, a little while ago. I said, do you remember that game? Because he's not very good at remembering games. And he said, oh, well, I do remember that occasion, but it wasn't because of the game. It was because every Monday, Jim Banks, during the assembly at school, used to sort of give an update on what had happened in their, in their sports the week before. And apparently Jim Banks stood up this one Monday after Stuart had scored um, a few runs and taken a few wickets against college and said... Well, I'm delighted to be able to say that last week, thanks to sort of Stuart the Pro getting half-century, taking a few wickets, and other people taking a few wickets, we beat Elizabeth College for the first time ever at cricket. And obviously, Jim was expecting a round of applause to go around, <laughs> but it was like tumbleweed <laughs> went across, and Stu was sat in a chair, just red-faced, embarrassed to hell. Yeah, so that was one of my favourite stories Stu ever told me about a cricket.
3: <laughs> Talking about the top 100, I was encouraged... Um, um, Blanche Pier Lane to hear the, evening, the other evening that the post office are really getting behind this and that they've got some sort of sweep state going on where they not only have to guess the top ten in the um, top 100 but also the, they get extra points for having them in the right position. And despite much prompting from the chap who works at the post office alongside me to get those get some information, I stayed. Tight-lipped. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything until all is revealed in about eight days' time.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Great to see the enthusiasm for it. And um, uh, on the podcast front, we recorded a, a special um, discussion of the top ten with some, uh, some luminaries of the local cricketing world.
3: It was a good hour. a Good hour of chat about old fo- old players, and um, yeah, it it was good fun
0: yeah so keep an ear out for that uh, in a couple of weeks time um yeah brilliant thanks very much guys enjoy cheers. your weekend cheers <laughs> see you next time